Ephesians chapter 6, the heart that I want to display to you, the, the reason that I want to speak on this topic is because this is truly my heart. I want you to know God. I want you to know who God is. People who know God will pursue Him. People who know God will love Him and trust Him and believe in Him. And so this morning I like to speak about, and I don't want to say it's a series, but it really is just an emphasis of what I want to share with you, and that is defending God's Word. Defending God's Word. And I've spent these last few years reading about and learning about people that, that mock the Word of God, that, that belittle the Word of God. And I'm not talking about inside the church. I'm talking about people of this world that tell us that God's Word is nothing. It's just a fairy tale. But I've also run into people inside the church that do the same thing by telling you not to believe what it actually says. And to get you to the point where you're willing to accept someone's interpretation, someone's opinion about it, over what God's Word actually tells you. And so my heart is about defending the Word of God because I believe this, that my, my goal for you as a pastor is to help you know God. It's not to, it's not to be just this guy who teaches you and you, you feed off what I say and then you're, you survive. No, that's not the point. That's not the point. That's not my job. My job is to help you know who God is. And the only way that I know how to tell you to understand who God is is by showing you how I've come to know Him. And it is with the Word of God. I believe that you will never have a depth of a relationship with God if you are not people of the Word. But we've come under attack from our society Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Finally be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And he goes on to explain the armor. But I want us to just take a moment to consider what Paul is telling the church, to put on the full armor of God. Why? So that we could take our stand against the devil's schemes. And unfortunately, we're not too familiar with the devil's schemes anymore. Paul knew that the devil had a plan, he had a purpose, and he had a desire to fool and deceive you and to rob you of understanding the very relationship that, he, that God wants with you. Paul knows that the devil is out scheming, he's crafty, he did this in the garden and he's doing it today. And if you do not understand the word of God, if you don't understand and, and have a good relationship with the Lord, then you can put on all the armor you want and you're still going to end up in the same spot being deceived by an enemy that hates you. The devil does not want to compromise with you. 
The devil does not want you just to sin just a little bit so that he can get a little pleasure and then, and then you can go and have God a relationship with God on Sunday. He is only after one thing, to destroy, to kill, and to rob you of everything that God wants. The reason why I refuse to believe in my belief in God, the reason why I refuse to believe that God is, is, is going to fail me is because I know that God is God and I know it through his word and his word tells us that he is faithful, that he is compassionate, that he is loving and that he is the one who makes the, everything possible just by his spoken word. But see, the devil wants to hide that from you. He wants you to get caught up in life and to be so busy that you forget that there's more important things. Do you remember the story of Martha and Mary? Martha's so concerned about cleaning the house. Martha's so concerned about all the preparations, but she missed a very important fact that the teacher was there, that Jesus was there. And that's why he tells Martha, listen, she's chosen something better. Because she was there. Mary was there at his feet learning from him. Now, I enjoy life. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us to enjoy life. I enjoy sports. I enjoy kids. I enjoy family. I enjoy recreation things. Those things are great. But I also know that at every moment we have an enemy that is out to destroy us. And it was so concerning that Jesus taught us, tells us to think about him. You see, when the disciples came to Jesus and says, would you teach us how to pray? He says, no problem, I'll tell you how to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against me. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me. Protect me from my enemy. Jesus was very aware. Matter of fact, when they asked, the disciples asked Jesus, when is all this going to take place? When, it, when, you, when will the sign be when you come? What did he tell his disciples? Watch out that no one deceives you. The art of deception is at our doorstep. And the devil has used this in order for you not to believe in who God really is. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? We're Christians, you know. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Because the Bible tells us this, that in Revelations 12, that it was the devil that led the whole world astray. The whole world. Now, I'm not saying that we are under deception right now from the enemy. But I will say this, if you do not believe God's word, you have fallen for his deception because he is not. God then God, then God is not who he says he is. You know, we, we, we proclaim that we love God. We proclaim that we have this relationship with God. We love God. And yet we're willing to do things that are con totally contradictory to scripture and don't even think twice about it. I'll tell you, there is an assault on the word of God. You see, we are easily fooled with our eyes. And I think it's funny that the Bible teaches us this, that the righteous live by faith, not by sight. Because what do your eyes tell you? Your eyes tell you a lot of lies. When you look at that 
bank statement, you look at that doctor's report, when you look at things, when you see things, it affects a lot of our belief. And yet God says, I just want you to trust my word. I just want you to believe me. Live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in him. Faith in him. So the Bible tells us that this whole world is led astray by the enemy. But I think it's important that we are people who defend the word of God. And I'm going to, over the next several weeks, give you techniques on how to understand and how to see and how to be aware of what's going on when it comes to the word of God. And I think we as people need to be very prudent, very purposeful in our decision that we are going to give careful thought to what the word of God says. Careful thought on what people are telling us. Careful thought. Why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. The Bible warns us and tells us that if you give careful thought to the things you hear, the things you see, the things you believe, the things you feel, if you just carefully analyze it and just use the Word of God as a, because a, that's where wisdom comes from. The wisdom comes from the Word of God, from the mouth of God. And so when you use God to helpfully, carefully think about things, that's wisdom. And it's going to be okay. But if you refuse to use wisdom, then the Bible tells us that it would simply end up in deception. And I don't want us to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. And so this is my heart this morning. This is my heart. As we defend the word of God, this is my heart. And so this morning I want to talk to you because the title of my message is this. I am a teacher. There you go. I laid it out. That way I don't have to guess all, all morning. What is he talking about? I am a teacher. You see, I believe this, that I am a teacher. I'm a teacher of God's word. And here's why it's important to me to be a good teacher. I recently watched an interview of a famous pastor that, if you don't know who he is by name, you definitely know what he has done with his church and because there are a lot of songs that have been sung that came from this church. And my heart is this. I'm not trying to call out any preacher. I'm not trying to condemn or say that we're better than them or they're doing it wrong. I just want to point out what this church teaches. You see, they, they usually don't answer criticism, but what happened was, was because what happened was is it was starting to affect their reputation, so they had to address it. And the issue that they were addressing was called grave sucking, also known as grave soaking. And what the practice was, was that people were going out to graves of people of faith, people that were anointed, people that, of the past that had a calling on their life, and they would lay down on these graves and pray, and it was like they were sucking in the anointing from this person. So I'm watching this interview, and one of the, the, one of the leaders, in what, and how it got out was the, the pastor said that he wanted to honor the people of the past, that we need to honor the people. 
that went before us. And, and he would go out and go and visit graves of Finney and different evangelists, and, and there was something that would happen there. And then one of their leaders went out to a grave and they had a wonderful experience of God at this grave and told it to this leadership class. And next thing you know, everyone's going out and they're laying on these graves praying. Even the pastor's wife is, was photographed as she is praying on this, laying on this grave. And I'm watching this interview as they're going through. And it was because the pastor kept coming back to it. I want to honor those who went before us. I think it's important to honor, honor. The one thing that you did not hear in this interview was any biblical reason why he was doing this. There was not one Bible verse ever mentioned. Now you say, well, you know, you don't always have to mention a Bible verse. I know that. I understand that. But at least your ideals should be based off of something from the Bible. And the only thing that I could think of was Luke chapter 9, where Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus was telling this man to forget burying his father. Now, isn't that something that would bring honor to his father? Isn't that honoring his father? Jesus is not concerned about those that are gone. Jesus is concerned about what we need to do and to what we need to, to um, give us an opportunity to do what God wants us to do in this life. So as this pastor, like I said, you, you've sung songs from this church. You've, you've probably read books from this pastor. But the point is this, is that there was no biblical evidence or reasoning why this pastor would promote grave-sucking or grave-soaking. Now, why is this important to me? I'm not here to bash on a ministry. I'm not here to condemn people for doing this because God knows their heart. Just like sometimes there are very religious churches that, 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 that have evil intent in what they do, but that people still find Jesus. You know, people still find Jesus. And so I'm not, I'm not here. That's not my heart. But I am here to point out that what the reason why I'm speaking about the subject, about this subject is because I believe this, that we need to defend God's word. And so I want to be a teacher. I want to be a good teacher of God's word. As Christians, we believe the word of God and we believe that God's word is God's word until it conflicts with our personal understanding and education and intellect. We believe God's word until it conflicts with what we really believe. We believe God's word until someone tells us something different. We believe God's word until we trust what other people tell us instead of what God's word tells us. There is a danger of not knowing the word of God. I mean this. There is a danger of not being biblically literate because there is a new form of teachers that are going around in the church that are leading people astray from God. When I was researching the accuracy of the Bible and, and taking God at his word, I ran across a gentleman that gave a warning to the teachers that are teaching things to the church. So here I am, I'm, I'm researching a subject and and uh, this man took a completely opposite view of Scripture that I had. He was 
very shrewd about it. He said, listen, you teachers that are teaching these things, you will be judged and you will be held to a higher standard. He quotes James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that, what, that, who, that we who teach will be judged more strictly, which I completely agree with. I completely agree with that. But this guy has a completely different approach to Scripture than I do. And so he was basically giving me a warning because I didn't think like him, because I didn't hold his views, and I was teaching something that he would consider would be heresy, he throws this verse out there. And yet the same guy who did this warning goes on and to teach, and he begins to teach things that are not even found in Scripture. You see, this is happening in the world of the church today. Teachers that are teaching things that are completely opposite of the Bible. And what plays an important role in all of this is science. Now, I know that, you know, if I would have studied knitting for three years or crocheting for three years, I probably would be talking all about crocheting. I just, I know this. And science to me has been my world for the last three years. Science to me has been a very important topic because it is part of the craft. It is part of the purpose of the enemy to get you to undermine the authority and the power of God's word. Because, see, we may not know this, but science has replaced truth. Science has replaced God's word. And I do not make these statements lightly. I'm not just saying it because I wrote two books about God's word and science. I'm saying this because this is what I truly believe. Science has become the word that we trust more than what God has spoken and revealed to us. Because of science, we have come from monkeys and now there's 112 genders that exist in our world because of science. Now, see, you sit here and you're like, that's so dumb, Pastor. There are people in this world that really believe that. Why? Because of science. They're because of science. The Bible teaches us that we only have two genders, male and female. You see, this is an easy example to give you because we know this, that Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them, male and female who created them. Jesus even agrees with this idea where he said that, haven't you read at the beginning the creator made male and female? Case settled. Science loses. We believe God created male and female. Let me give you another example about science and what they say. You know what science tells us? That the moon only reflects light. What does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that God made two lights. NASA tells us that the moon does not shine with its own light, but it simply reflects the light coming from the sun. Another science website tells us that the moon shines because its surface reflects light from the sun. The moon is simply a large rock that reflects the sun's light. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God made two lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Now people will remind me all the time, well, listen, Pete, the, the Bible is not a book of science. We can't use the Bible to interpret science. People who wrote the Bible did not know that the moon, what the moon actually was until later when we discovered what it was through science. 
So how, does, how do Bible scholars handle a verse like this, a passage like this, where the Bible clearly says the moon is a light? They call it poetry or phenomenological language. They, it's basically a way of describing what it looks like to us. The authors of the book of Genesis is describing what it looked like to him. To us, the moon does look like a light. To us, because at night, that's all we see, and it looks like a light. Even if it's reflecting, it looks like a light to us from our perspective. Now, did you notice how easy it was for you to agree with me about the genders? But then when you talk about the moon, there's some hesitation. Well, I'm in. It's not a light. It's, it's a rock. It's a satellite. It's a moon. It's, it's the debris that happened when Mars hit us. And You see, it's easy to agree with Scripture when our education doesn't come in the way. It's easy to agree with Scripture when our understanding doesn't come in the way, but all of a sudden you start talking about the moon as a light, and it gets a little harder. We quickly read over words like, God made two lights. We're comfortable with allowing man's knowledge to shape the way we read the Bible. Now, I'm just being honest, because this is something that I was, I was guilty of all my life too. I read the Bible, and I, I knew Genesis 1, and I knew that the moon was a rock. But the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 32, verse 3 says this, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So clearly, Ezekiel is writing exactly what God said, and this is what God said. When I snuff you out, I will cover the heavens and the darken the stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon will not give its light. Who said this? God said this. Now, God said, the sovereign, the true God, the one who has all authority and power, tells us that the moon will not give its light. But hey, if you're King James only translation, you'll love this. The Bible says that the moon shall not give her light. The possession belongs with the moon. You know what Jesus said? Immediately in Matthew 24, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light. Sorry, let's be King James only. Jesus said the moon will not give her light. Jesus agreed with what Ezekiel heard. Ezekiel agreed with what God said, that he created two lights. From these two examples, genders and the moon, it's easy to agree with the genders because we can see it. It's obvious to us. I mean, you can, you can say whatever you want, but a man is a man and a woman is a woman. You know, if I claim, if I claim to be a woman, if I claim to be a woman, and I go into the hospital and I tell them, listen, I think I have a an infection in my woman parts, they will look at me and say, please leave. Because it's just not possible. And I'm trying, I'm trying I mean, how do you talk about this stuff at church, right? <laughs> Lisa's like, oh, come on. It's like, it's like kissing in front of your kids. Ugh. But if I, if I, if I go and, you know, and if a woman goes and says, you know, hey, I'm having a man problem, then that's, it just doesn't work that way. This is obvious to us, and that's why it doesn't make sense, and we can easily understand that we were created in the image of God, male and female. 
But then when it comes to the moon and what the Bible says, science steps in and tells us different. Science steps in and tells us that, no, 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 you don't have to, that's not really what it meant. And you know what's amazing? These two examples come from the same chapter. And in the world of the church, they are completely, they're like on opposite ends. Oh, we believe this, but we don't believe this. And it comes from the same chapter. This is why I believe that we need to be good students of the word and we need to defend what the word of God says. And this what I, is what I believe has been the purpose of modern science. The goal is to get you to deny what the Bible says and to trust man's word over God's word. The goal is to get you to believe man's word over God's word. This has been the purpose of our enemy, to get you to believe, not to believe in God's word, but to hide God from your life. This is the purpose of our enemy, to hide him. And how does he hide God from us? He hides him with deception. Because when we believe a lie, we do not see the truth. We believe a lie, we do not see the truth. You know, sometimes when I would yell at my kids, they would, they would tell me, you know, Dad, you always think that I make mistakes. I never said that. Don't tell me what I said. Don't tell me what I think. And I would tell them, you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. I never said that. I think that you are awesome. And I think, yes, you make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I believe you always make mistakes or you're always going to be like this. You're always going to do that. No, why? Because I believe in you. I had one, one of our kids thought that I was always the bad guy and mom was always the one to rescue him. And I said, listen, let's set the record straight. I'm the one going to bat for you. Your mom wants to send you to your room for 40 years. I said, you better understand. You see, but when we believe something that's not true, that shapes the way we see things and it forms a deception and deception uh, all of a sudden makes us see things from a different way. Do you really believe your Father is a compassionate, gracious God? Do you believe that on your worst day? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He will cast your sins? Do you believe that He will restore the joy of your salvation? Do you believe that on your worst day? Do you believe that He will, once you confess your sins, that He is faithful and just and He will make you righteous? Do you believe that? So when we, when we live in deception, we don't see who God is. And that's what science, more accurately, that's what our enemy has done to our society. He's blinded people. Now let's just talk about the people outside the church for a moment. He's blinded them. They think we've come from rock. They think that we've evolved from dead things. They think that over 14 billion years ago that nothing happened and all of a sudden the universe came. I just uh, even think about the concept of the Big Bang because we, you know, we talk about the Big Bang. Do you know that the Big Bang over 14 billion years ago, 13.8, whatever it is, that over that time frame, do you know what happened in the first millionth of a 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 second? They literally take a second, the first second of the Big Bang, and they divide it up millions of times. And they say in that little small sliver was called inflation. That everything, and then it slowed down within a millionth of a second. And then now we have the universe. Because that's the only way they can explain their theories. 
is to make stories up. Now, the world believes that. They believe we've come from rocks and monkeys and toad poles and whatever it is. They, they believe all this stuff. That's why they don't need God. That's why the Bible, has, the Bible tells us that they are blinded by the enemy. They don't know who God is, that the enemy has blinded them. But what about the people in the church? Oh, don't worry, Pastor. You see, the devil isn't going to mess with us because we're Christians. Oh, he wants to deceive you just as much. And if he can't take away everything, he'll start chipping away at things, small things. So eventually, maybe you'll stumble. You'll give him a foothold, foothold, and he will cause you to stumble. So I think it's very important to consider our enemy because in the world of science, in the world that is out there, it tells us everything opposite of the Bible. And I will show this as we venture forward. So I said I'm a teacher. James 3.1 tells us this, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because I, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I believe this verse. I believe it's true. And I think there is going to be judgment on those who are false teachers. But I'm going to tell you this with all confidence. I'm not worried about myself. I'm not worried about myself. Now, I'm not foolish enough to think that, that just because I you know, am a preacher, I am you know, not guilty of saying things are wrong. Yes, I misquote things. Yes, I say wrong names sometimes in different places. And Lord knows I can't pronounce half the names in the Bible. I make mistakes. I understand that. But I'm not worried about God judging me. Why? Because my foundation is built upon the truth. My foundation is built upon God. But there is a danger to people who teach false things. Second Peter 2 tells us this. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on them. Many will follow the depraved conduct and bring the way of truth into dispute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been long hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. There are false teachers in and outside the church, and they are introducing destructive heresies that are even denying who God is. And they're bringing the way of Jesus into dispute. They're bringing God's word into dispute. And they will exploit you with their stories. There are false teachers among us, even in the church. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us this, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then that if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Paul is telling us, listen, the devil is nothing more than just this fallen angel and he goes around and he pretends that he's this glorious and great thing and it, the people who follow him, the people that Jesus said, follow their devil, follow their father, Jesus says, or Paul says, that they go around and they masquerade as servants of righteousness, people who we would think are bringing us closer to Jesus, but they are leading us farther from the truth. That's why Jesus tells us that there are people, many that will come on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? I never knew you. So it's important to understand God's word. 
So as your pastor, as a preacher of God's word, I have no problem standing before God and giving account of what I teach. Now, I am not saying that I know everything. I'm not saying that I'm the smartest or I'm the best scholar you'll ever meet. But I am telling you this, that I will give account to what I teach. And I do not believe that I will be condemned by my God. Because why? My teaching, my faith is all based upon one thing, Jesus Christ. And it's his word. And I'm going to take him at face value. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to give you reasoning, reasoning why I believe this is important and reasons why I believe we need to hold on to God's word. The first thing I want us to do as we bring this to a close, and like I said, this for me, this is a different way of, of presenting this because in my heart, I'm just a preacher. But God has asked me to be a teacher for this moment. To teach you how to know his word. To teach you how to know him. The first thing that we need to do is we need to be people of God's word. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want you to leave with this thought this morning because here's your homework for the week. Get into his word. Just get into his word. I don't care where you're at or what, if you're following a Bible program or you're one of those, let's just see where the pages end. I don't care. Get into his word. Find a translation that's easy for you to understand. You know, a lot of times people speak, oh, you got to just King James only. King, King James is simply just a translation in English. Jesus, when he quoted the Hebrew Bible, he used the Septuagint, a Greek translation of the Hebrew language. Just, it's God's word. Just get into his word. Find his word. If you have a hard time reading, listen to it. If you have a hard time listening to it, read it. Whatever. Just get into his word. And, and here's what I want. Just you to do it a little bit more. Just do it a little bit more. Spend time in his word. Because I believe this, that as we go through this teaching, the more you get into God's word, the more this is going to be real to you. And you're going to see the dangers of deception that has fallen upon the church that has fallen upon people. This Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that all scriptures God breathed. The ideal of God breathed is this, that communication that has been inspired by God. It initiated with him. It initiated with him. When you go and you meet someone, someone has to initiate it. It's not just random chance. When I met my wife in college, I initiated conversation with her. I made the effort. You have to understand that God's word has been given to us, revealed to us by God. It started with him. Scripture was inspired by God to communicate what God wants us to know about him. So you have to get into his word. All scriptures God breathed. It is revealed to us. We didn't discover this truth. It was given to us. Now, there are many great tools out there to help you. There are things like devotionals and things like, you know, people that will talk about the Bible. I, I enjoy listening to 
to commentators and I enjoy listening to people in podcasts and I enjoy listening to reading you know books that highlight God's word all those things are good those things are helping you yes but there's nothing that replaces God's word because it is what feeds you it is what it brings that living and active life into you it's the spirit of God that resonates within you so get into his word it is initiated by him the Bible says all scripture it literally means the totalitary, the whole, everything found in God's word has been inspired by him. So when you have your devotional time this week, this is your homework. When you have your devotional time this week, all I want you to do is take your Bible and just say, Father, would you speak to me? Would you speak your word to me? And I guarantee you, he will, he will show himself to you. The Bible says those who seek the Lord will find him. You know, I think that's interesting because how come God just doesn't reveal himself? How come God just doesn't reveal himself right away? How come we have to seek? Because I'll tell you this, he's worth finding. When you really desire something, you will seek it. When you really want something, you will go find it. I remember the first time I was, first Christmas as my wife and I were married and we were over over um, mom and dad Ashbowl's house and and we had our Christmas time there and it was fun it was exciting and they had this dessert that I didn't understand it was like booger cake well I would know moco cake right because you know growing up you know I was like moco you know moco you know I was like snot I always thought of it snot and so they had these moco cakes and I didn't know what these things were and I ate those things and I found out that I really liked it and because I was the outsider of the family, I was the only one who woke up before the sun came up. And so that very next morning, I went looking for the moco cake. And you know what? I found it. I ate it. I enjoyed it. And then a few hours later, I heard, Hey, who ate Chad's cake? I saved it for him. Or it was Tom's cake or whatever it was. And... And I just looked at him and I said, honey, we got to go. We got to go. We gotta go. <laughs> right? When you enjoy something, you seek after it. You go find it because it's valuable to you. And the Bible says that if you have that kind of desire with him, just seek him, find him. He's going to show up. And he does it through his word. And so let's be people of his word. Amen.